0: All right, so I didn't play sports uh, when I was in school. Um, in fact, the uh, the extent of my sports career was t ball, uh, which tells you uh, you know how athletic I am. Um, but instead, I was in band. I played the trumpet. Uh, I was in marching band. <coughs> excuse me, a marching band, symphonic band. Uh, jazz band. I, I, I did it all. I played trumpet, I played baritone, I played euphonium. Uh, I was a brass guy. Uh, and so while I don't know what it's like to play on a team, because let's be honest, t-ball isn't really much of a team because you're not really working much together. There's, you know, the kid over in the outfield just counting the dandelions. Uh, that was, I think, that was me. I was that kid. Uh, while the others kind of understand what's going on, but not always. Uh, but I do know what it's like to plan a different kind of team because I was in band. We were all working together to, to hopefully together, to try to, to, to produce one goal, to produce one beautiful sound. You see, the trumpets, we couldn't say to the bass drum section that we don't need you because without the bass drum, without, without that driving beat, the band simply falls apart. Uh, without the, the trumpets, though, you lose the bright uh, sound that the trumpet brings, although some of you are like, yeah, I, mm, I don't like trumpets, I could do without trumpets, um, but you needed every single part to play the music, to, to, to fulfill what the author or the writer of that song wanted, to, to work towards that, that common goal and so I, I know what it's like to, to be unified, to work together. And even on the worship team, if one of our members is missing or has a week off, then we notice. It sounds different. Sure, we could add it back in on the backing track, but it sounds different. It's not the same as if we were all together because we're all united. We're all working together towards one common goal. Maybe you've played on a sports team before. You know what it's like to work together. Or maybe you're on a team at work, uh, and you know what it's like to work towards one common goal one end as a church we're supposed to be united christians we are supposed to be united working towards one goal but unfortunately it seems like many christians are divided especially in the church in america today it seems like the church is more divided than at any point in history We, we we make disagreements over what seems to be minor things but let's be honest this has been true of christians throughout the centuries The church divided uh, over uh, some disagreements around the Holy Spirit back in the the 1000s. So the Greek Orthodox Church split off from the Roman Catholic Church. And then about 500 years later, you had the Protestant Church split from the Catholic Church because there were some guys that saw some, some things that were wrong with the Catholic Church and thought that they could reform it, but yet that they could also maintain power and control But it was their students who took what uh, the reformers taught, took it seriously. They actually read the Bible for themselves. And when they opened up the pages of the Sermon on the Mount, they realized that we cannot main control through force. And so the church split again. These guys were known as the radical reformers. They took Jesus at his word and sought to live out the the world-shaping, the world-changing words of Jesus. And it's continued to split throughout the ages. Today, it's estimated that there's about 33,000 denominations. Although when you start to dig into that, you realize that that number is inflated. That's highly inflated because it includes groups that wouldn't consider themselves Christian, but for some reason they got lumped in with Christianity. It includes groups that would consider themselves one, but yet they're separated geographically. So they got counted separately or counted uh, you know, as four or five or six or ten different groups. In reality, they're one group. And so even though that number is highly inflated, we know that the church is divided, that we have divided over things that are seemingly inconsequential. We divide over minor disagreements, things over the method of baptism. We, dis- we, we divide over things of how often should you take communion, etc. But in reality, we have more in common than what we have in difference, Than we have different But we fail to to remember that we fail to realize that it's why though as a church we love using the alpha course because the alpha course is used by catholic churches by orthodox churches by protestant churches all these groups who have historically been separated and distinct and divided they can all come together to run the alpha course which is a course that's designed to help people explore the christian faith in a non-judgmental way where you can ask your questions you can express your doubts your anger, your frustrations, and what you believe is just as valid as what the next person believes. And so it's why we, we love running the Alpha Course. But we continue to forget our unity and we continue to divide. 2016 saw the election of Donald Trump to the presidency and Trump has been said to be a great divider of the church in America. And while he did that, while he caused division within churches, he also caused a group of people within certain churches who would normally be divided to unite around himself, to unite around his, his personality and uh, his policy. Even our current president, who said he was going to be a great uniter, has also been a great divider of America and of the church. Uh, although it's not as inflammatory of a way as what President Trump uh, did it, he's still causing division. And the, and the, the problem is is that those things that, he, that both these people and that the church is dividing around... They're not what we should divide around, because when we unite around these other things and cause division, that's not a good news. Because the the good news of Jesus is good news for everyone, and the good news that that our political system tells us is good news for some, but it's not good news for everyone. But the good news of Jesus is for everyone. Today we're in week five of our series that we're calling Foundations, where we're exploring what it means uh, to we're, we're exploring what we believe as a church because we believe that if you are exploring faith, you're checking out Hope Community, or you've been part of Hope Community for a while, that you should know what we believe if you're going to engage in the life and in the mission of Hope Community because we also believe that what we believe has the power to shape how we act and how we live. And so I'm not going to recap the entire series, but you can go to our website, hopecommunityonline.org, and find all the messages there. You can also go to our YouTube channel and find all the messages in their entirety there. But today we're talking about the church, specifically what we believe about the church. Because we believe that the church is the body of Christ, of which Jesus is the head. The church is made up of those who have trusted in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And the purpose of the church is to glorify God by loving him and making him known to the Lost World. And so we're going to spend the rest of our time together today unpacking that statement and where that comes from. But it's a statement that really we really didn't come up with. Whenever you open up the pages of the New Testament, especially the Apostle Paul and his letters, uh, you find these truths, and we simply distilled it down into uh, a way that's easy to remember, easy to say. But the Apostle Paul was writing about this fact that the church is commonly called the body of Christ that it's made up of many members that all have a role to play. And so the Apostle Paul was writing at a at time right around um, 30 to 40 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And he was writing to churches all around the Mediterranean Rim and Asia Minor to help them to figure out what it looked like to live out the good news of Jesus or the gospel of Jesus, to go about gospeling, that uh, if they were going to call themselves followers of Jesus, then they must live out than what they said that they believed. Because uh, belief and action weren't divorced from each one another. They were one and the same, that if you believe something, then you lived it out. You didn't just say that you believed something and lived a different way. No, your belief lined up with, your your actions lined up with your beliefs. And so the Apostle Paul wanted them to live according to the way of Jesus. That was good news for everyone, because if they failed to live that out, then it would appear to those who weren't yet Christian that, the good news of Jesus really wasn't good news, that it didn't have the power to transform, it didn't have the power to save, and that Jesus really didn't rise from the dead. But the Apostle Paul was, was writing to help sort this out, help them to figure out what it looked like to live according to the way of King Jesus in their culture. And one of the letters that survived is the letter to the church at Ephesus. We call it the Book of Ephesians. Uh, Ephesus at this time was the center of Greek and Roman uh, worship of their gods, the, the Roman pantheon of gods, the Greek pantheon of gods. And there was a church there that the Apostle Paul helped start. And he was writing to help them to figure out what it looked like to be united, to live out the good news of Jesus, because this was a church that was divided. They were divided over rich and poor, slave and free, Jew, Greek, they were divided over culture. They were divided over religion. Should we you know, bring in parts of the, the, you know, the Greek and Roman religions into Christianity, or should we you know, keep it separate? And so Paul was writing to them to help them to figure out what it looked like to live out the good news of Jesus. And he, before we get to this passage, he, to kind of set it up, he wrote that God had made a new family, That God was in the, in the process of making a new humanity. That His purpose was to create a restored humanity that was unified around King Jesus, and that people entered into that family by trusting in the good news of King Jesus and what He had done, but also by the power of God's Spirit, which was drawing people to Himself. And so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter four today. If you brought a Bible, uh, you can turn there or open your phone to Ephesians chapter four. But the words are, or the uh, the words are also going to be up here. On this screen. So Ephesians chapter 4. Paul writes, Therefore, I, a prisoner, okay, so Paul was literally in prison for, uh, for proclaiming the good news of Jesus. There were people that didn't like what Paul had to say, that uh, said that it was upsetting the religious system or upsetting the, the order of the day, and so they had him in prison. Paul was writing from Rome, he was under house arrest in Rome. So Paul was literally a prisoner for the Lord urging you, the Ephesian church, to walk worthy of the calling that you have received. The calling that they have received is the calling of salvation, that is trusting in the good news of Jesus, to walk worthy of that, to walk in accordance to the way of Jesus. And how are they to do it? With all humility and gentleness, patience, bearing with one another and love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That they were to, to live out the, the good news of King Jesus, by being humble, by being gentle, by being patient with one another, by bearing with one another in love. And we'll unpack that idea of love in just a second. But they were supposed to bear with one another because this was a a, a church in turmoil, a church divided. And it takes love to bear with one another, to, to, to bear with people that you don't line up with, that you don't agree with. And Paul says, bear with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity so he's, he's implying that they're already unified under the spirit of God through the bond of peace, the bond of, it's this idea of shalom or, or wholeness, uh, that God was, was trying to restore all things and that they were united under that powerful kind of peace. Not just peace as a, you know, I'm at peace, I'm, I'm calm, but no, a peace that transcends. And Paul continues on. He says, there is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. Paul implies, you know, said that they are unified. Now he's unpacking what that unity looks like, that there is one body and first corinthians in the letter of the church at corinth 1 corinthians he unpacks the fact that that the body is made up of many members that all have a part to play that the hand can't say to the foot i don't need you that the eye can't say to the ear i don't need you because all are necessary parts of the body and so there is one body of christ one body there is one spirit of god just as you were called to one hope the hope and the kingdom that's coming at your calling, that is whenever you were saved, and one Lord, that is one king, one faith, one Christian faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Emphasizing the fact that the church, they were unified in spite of the differences that they had, that they were unified, that they were unified in all these things, these things that were not found themselves, but these things that were found in God and his way, and in the good news of his coming kingdom. And it was a unity that depended not on uniformity, but a unity that depended on true diversity. It's unity that depends on God, that doesn't depend on what we can do. It's so different than the unity that our culture values. See, our culture says it values diversity. It values surface-level diversity, but on the right and the left, As soon as you step out of line, as soon as you start thinking your own way, as soon as you have your own religion, then you can't be part of our group because we're not unified then. So so our culture values surface level diversity in order to maintain unity, but the kingdom of God, the, the way of Jesus is unity that's not found in anything that we can do, but it's found in King Jesus. It's a reality in spite of ourselves. It depends on one God, one gospel, us all going in the same direction. Paul continues on, he says, Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. That is, that God has shown grace to each and every one of us. The measure of Christ's gift, that is, the, of salvation, of God saving us. That God has, has shown us grace. And he himself, meaning Jesus, has, has given some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry and to build up the body of Christ. And whenever you begin digging into this passage, it's, it's really hard to separate these different titles out of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers into separate offices because in the Greek, they're all interrelated. They're all connected. And in fact, the apostle Paul could have been said to be all of these things. He was a pastor. He was an apostle. He's a prophet. He's an evangelist. He was a teacher. And so the point that Paul is making here is that not that the church needs all these things, but rather what God has given to the church is the gift the gift of people, that you are all a gift unto somebody else as we follow Jesus together. And our goal is to equip the saints. That's a fancy way of saying to equip other believers for the work of ministry, that we are all necessary parts to fulfill the good news, the calling of Jesus, to spread the good news, to do the work of ministry, to build up the body Christ, there's that that image that the body of Christ is all of us, it's the the church of Jesus. That we are called to love one another, serve one another, forgive one another, encourage one another. That we are called to do all these things to build up the body of Christ. Let's see if I can draw a little church here. It worked earlier. Okay, so there's our church. Inside, you have some people. Kind of like today, we've got people in the church today, in the building, and now it's not going to let me draw anymore. Did my finger let me draw? My finger is just not as precise as the stylus. Okay, so we've got some giant people outside the church, okay? Um, So we're to build up the body of Christ. That includes the people inside, but Paul is also implying that it includes those who are outside. That we are to build up those who are not yet part of the community of faith. That we are to to expand the body of Christ by spreading the good news of Jesus, by doing the work of ministry, not just to those inside, but to those also outside. That we are all needed because he has given a gift to the church in the form of people because it's how God has chosen to reveal himself in the world today is through you and I. Flawed and broken and messed up as we are God has chosen to use us, to reveal himself to our world through us. And how are we supposed to do this? How long? And Paul says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Again, it's it's assuming that unity is a reality, that it's something that exists, but yet it's something that we also must work towards. Because remember, I, I just said that we are all broken and flawed, that we are going to continue to find silly things to divide and separate over. But at the end of the day, we have King Jesus in common. That's the most powerful kind of unity. Until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity. The deepest form of Christian maturity is learning to love as God and Christ has loved us, as we're going to see in just a second. With a measure measured by Christ's fullness. That is, we're supposed to be little Christ. We're supposed to be little pictures of of who Christ was and his self-sacrificial love for the benefit of others. That that we're that we are unified, yet we are supposed to work towards it as we grow in Christ's likeness. And Paul says, when that happens, then we will no longer be little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the deceits or the techniques of. Deceit. Paul has pictured here as somebody who who doesn't know how to find the source of truth, who is easily swayed by whatever popular opinion it is. Like they're on the waves of the ocean, just constantly carried back and forth. Whatever is popular. Maybe you know somebody like that who isn't grounded. Who they go in whatever direction the culture, whatever is popular. Uh, Paul would say that person's like a little child. That they're not mature. That they're immature. And his, he's he's saying, look, we are supposed to be. Mature, because somebody who's mature isn't going to be blown around by the winds, by, by false teaching, that they're going to be grounded in the way of truth. And Jesus said that I am the way and the truth and the life, that no one comes to the Father but through me. And Paul wants the church to be unified so that we will not be carried away by wrong teaching, by deceitfulness. And then what he says next it starts a new section. This section. The entire section is bracketed by love. That is, that he opens it and he closes it with love, and then everything in between is to be marked by love. And he says, But speaking the truth, speaking the truth in love, the truth, the truth of the good news of Jesus. Again, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That we are supposed to imitate Christ, who is full of grace and truth, that he was true, that we are supposed to be truthful, that we're not supposed to spread falsehoods, but we're to walk in the way. Of truth and then he says to walk or just by speaking the truth in love not as our culture defines love but as Jesus defines love because that that's circular reasoning well, what is love if love is love what is love it would seem that love is whatever you want to make it but according to Jesus love is sacrifice in fact, this word for love comes from the Greek word agape, which is a divine kind of love, a love that comes from God. Uh, it's a, not a love that we can manufacture, but it's a love that, that we see uh, in the person of Jesus. Uh, Jesus you know, said that God is love. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Later on, the Apostle Paul would would go on to uh, write what that love looks like. In the letter to the church at Corinth, maybe you've heard uh, the, the 1 Corinthians 13 read at a wedding. It's commonly called the love chapter. And that love looks like love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it keeps no records of wrongs. That love forgives, it bears all things, endures all things. That's the picture that we get of love, a love that comes from our Heavenly Father. And we're supposed to imitate Christ by how we live out that love. It's not a love that's self-serving. It's a love that's self-sacrificing. Because Jesus demonstrated his love by laying down his life for our benefit. And so Paul continues on. He says, By speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head that is Christ Christ. Let us grow in every way, not just in some ways, but in every aspect of our lives. We are conformed to the image or the likeness of Christ. You may uh, have heard the, the term Christoformity. We're supposed to look like Jesus. Christians, it comes from uh, the word meaning little Christ, that we're supposed to look like Jesus. That we're to grow in every way, not just in some way, into him who is the head. That is him who is king, him who is Lord, him who is the Messiah, the deliverer. Because from him, the whole body, that is every part, is fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for the building itself up in love. There is a self-sacrificial love again by the proper working of each individual part. Again, Paul would unpack this idea in the letter of the church at Corinth and say that the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you that all parts of the body are necessary, that they're all working together to accomplish the same goal, that the, the whole body is working as one unit, that it's not divided. If you break your finger, you don't cut your finger off because you broke it. No, you seek restoration of that finger. You seek healing. You put a splint on it. You immobilize it until it's better. And Paul is implying that here, that, that the whole body Elsewhere, he'd say that that includes the, the less than honorable parts, okay? That includes every part, those parts that we disagree with, those parts that we don't like, that, that person that maybe did something wrong, Paul says, forgive and seek restoration. Don't cut that part of the body off because we're all needed. We're all necessary. It seems like today the church, especially in America, has an autoimmune disorder where it's popular for the church to tear itself down. For what goal? For what goal? to make oneself look better or to to position oneself above another part of the church. But the Apostle Paul would say, look, you are all needed. And when we divide like that, it doesn't show the world that we are unified and that God is one. So we are called to be one, to maintain the unity that exists under our king that is a reality because we share one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. We share one spirit. We are the body of Christ. Paul says that we are united and that unity is the most powerful kind of unity. It's a unity that we can't manufacture. It's a unity that doesn't depend on us fully but depends on God. It's a unity that requires that we live out what we presently are. It's a unity that requires that we live out the good news of Jesus in his self-sacrificial love, not self-serving love. Because a mature and growing faith, as the Apostle Paul talked about, it's marked by love. Not love is love, but love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, does not boast. And when we learn to live that out, we maintain the unity that exists. When we learn to love those that are different from us, that we might not agree with, that have a different view politically or have a different view on baptism, then that shows the world that we are united. That the good news of Jesus is good news. That it's good news for all people. That it has the power to transform. That it can help to maintain unity in spite of our differences. And this love exists only in relation to other people. That's how we live out this good news is as we, we go out, we spread it, we, we live this out with other image bearers of Jesus. And it's a love that must always be extended to other people. Because the unity of God's church demonstrates God's love. Demonstrates the fact that God said he is love and that is true. He, he showed it was true by sending his son Jesus to take our place on the cross. That we might be made one with a heavenly father. And we are invited into that unity. And we are invited to live out the command of Jesus to love your neighbor as yourself. We're going to unpack that more next week. But we're called to live that out. First, uh, with fellow people who are going in the same direction, with fellow people trying to follow Jesus, we're called to live that out. And as we learn to love one another in spite of our differences, as we learn to love people that are difficult to love, then that shows the rest of the world that the message of Jesus is true. Because if we can't love those who are united under King Jesus, how are we going to love those who are very different, who are not united around one goal, one God, one Father, one spirit, one gospel. How can we possibly love those who are not yet part of the church if we are not willing to live this out? It's really hard for us to do this on a Sunday morning. Sure, we show up, we we talk, we're nice to one another, we can pray for one another, we can encourage one another. But it doesn't stop there. It's why as as a church we offer community groups. Because it's in community groups where we intentionally get together, where we spend time with one another, encouraging one another, building one another up forgiving one another when we hurt one another because we're people and we will hurt others. That's why we offer community groups and it's why you should be part of a community group because you can't learn to love somebody who's different from you if you're not willing to intentionally put yourself in a place where you can learn to love them, to be conformed to the image of Christ. My wife and I, we've been part of a community group since Hope Community started and they've been very powerful in our own life. For example, just last Sunday, uh, we were poured on with a giant load of diapers, uh, because we're having a baby anytime, and uh, the community groups got together, and they gave us so many diapers, maybe three months' worth, three, four months' worth, I don't know, but there's a lot of diapers there, Um, and that's just one of the many ways that our group has showed up for us. Another time, whenever our son Judah was born, who, you know, he's, he's up here today because he didn't want to stay downstairs. Uh, we were in the hospital for a week uh, during COVID. We couldn't have any visitors. And it was a very tough week because we were told that we could go home. And then we were admitted back to the hospital 12 hours later. And we couldn't have visitors. But it was our community group that showed up in the midst. That was Carrie here organizing with our community group to bring us something as simple as snacks, okay? That's not much, but they showed up in a big way. We were in Worcester. They drove an hour and showed up outside the window to our room with a giant box of snacks and good coffee for me, okay? Because hospital (laughs) coffee was not good. And I could leave the hospital, but it was not easy to leave the hospital. And Carrie showed up. Our community group showed up for us in that moment. And it made the rest of that stay much easier. It reminded us that we can get through this, that there's a group that's praying for us, a group that's encouraging us. And if that's what we've experienced, just being in the hospital with a baby, imagine what a group of people can do for you, how they can rally around you to support, to encourage, to build you up, to call you out when you need called out, because we all need called out sometimes, as we learn to love the way that God and Christ has loved us. And that's what I want for you. I want you to experience that. I want you to experience that unity as we lay our differences aside for the benefit of the other. And so you can join a community group at any time by going to hopecommunityonline.org. Click on the next steps launcher in the lower left-hand corner of the page. Or I'll be waiting in the back uh, at the lobby and I can help you sign up back there. But I want you to experience that kind of unity. A kind of unity that is found only Jesus, because what happens is we end up gathering a group of people together that normally wouldn't be friends, that wouldn't normally associate, but we have one thing in common, that's King Jesus. So as a church, we believe that the the church is the body of Christ, of which Jesus is the head. The church is made up of those who have trusted in the finished work of Jesus. The purpose of the church is to glorify God by loving him and by making him known to the lost world. And we do that in community, by learning to love one another. So what are you waiting for? Why not take a step towards community today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, that you invite us into the unity that has existed with you and the Son and the Spirit from eternity past, that we are invited into an eternal community of love. God, would you help us to remember that we are unified under you? Would you help us to live that out, to learn to love one another as you have loved us, as you have forgiven us? God, would you give us the courage to take that step, to get into community, to get into a community where we can unify around you, around our King? Because that's that unity that's going to show the world that you are who you say you are, that your good news is good news for all, and that it has the power to transform. So God, would you give us the power to do that by your spirit? In your name we pray, amen.